Danny. Danny, thank you so much for having me back. And it's a joy to be back. And I believe you put a spell, a good spell, uh, on the journey of Boy Swallows Universe about two years ago. And um, I've never, ever forgotten uh, how kind and generous you were to have me on early on um, when Trent Dalton and the world of uh, literary fiction were, were pretty strange to each other. And uh, I was very touched that you took the time of day and I'm, and it's so cool that you took the time of day again. I feel like I'm part of the Words and Nerds family. You guys are so amazing and lovely and such a family of amazing literary lovers and creators and people who advocate. Oh, thanks so much for your questions engaging with the novel and for everything you're doing. I know the podcast is hugely, hugely loved, so um, you're a gem. I think it's awesome the work that you do you know, we're out there in this pool of, of like how many writers there are in this country and we're all trying to get our book to the surface. Podcasts like this enable us to do that and also to talk about our craft. Danny, you're a gift from heaven. I love that you're such a great supporter and advocate for not only kids' books but adult novels too. I love your interviews across the board. Kudos to you, Danny, for, uh, for getting everyone to relax so much that they open up and tell you such interesting things for the benefit of your listeners. So, well <laughs> Thanks, Jack. Yeah, well That's done. That's so true. Oh my gosh, I just told you all these things that I've never talked about before. I could never edit that bit out. I could do this. And I was just so comfortable that I was like, It's a special knack. Who wouldn't want to celebrate this fabulous podcast? Amplify Bookstore is an online bookstore dedicated to books by authors of colour. As people of colour ourselves, we found it really hard to find books by other people of colour in regular bookstores unless they were really popular titles. So, we started Amplify as a way to combat publishing's diversity problem and to amplify BIPOC voices in the industry. Find yourself on the page and diversify your bookshelf today at AmplifyBookstore.com and find us on social media at Amplify Bookstore. Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. On this podcast, we chat about books, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. I'm your host, Danny V. Today, I welcome Amelia McInerney. Amelia is a humorous picture book author. Her titles include The Book Chook, a CBCA notable book, and shortlisted for the Speech Pathology Australian Book of the Year. My Bird Bertie, which is my daughter's favourite book, may I add, and the internationally published Bad Crab. Welcome, Amelia. I can tell you I have read uh, My Bird Birdie probably about 485 times. <laughs> Hi, Jenny. Thanks for having me. And thanks for that lovely intro. That's a really nice way to start off. Thank you. I thought I needed to tell you that because I've read it so much I could probably read it backwards. <laughs> So, but it's great fun and that's what's great about picture books is when they add a little bit of fun or a little bit of something extra for the parent who has to read them repeatedly every night. So yeah. thank you. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> Look, it's better that it's a fun picture book rather than a boring yeah. one. So. Yes. Now, we're going to talk about lots of things today, but we are going to talk about Who Fed Zed, this very cool book. Um, I need to talk to you about all the rhymes, but, you know, <laughs> it's a great book. Can you give us an elevator pitch as to what Who Fed Zed is all about? Well, it's about a bunch of kids, a dog and a goldfish called Zed, and there's a bit of a mix-up over what Zed is fed. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's a whole lot of fun, but there's actually a serious side to it. 
um, which is actually about food allergies and label reading, uh, believe it or not. So, yeah, it's a fun, lighthearted book that came from a serious place. Mm, I love it. And of an allergy sufferer myself, I totally relate to that. So I feel like I read more labels than books, which is pretty unexciting. Yeah, that's a lot of labels. (laughs) (laughs) Does this, um, you know, reading labels and allergy come from a a personal place for you or just something that you knew was, you know, out there in in society? Very personal, yeah. I've got three kids and my eldest, who's 12, um, is anaphylactic to a couple of nuts. So peanuts and tree nuts we are looking out for on those labels. Um, yeah, so that's how it came about. Um, she's 12 now, but she's had it since she was one. And yeah, it was, oh, do you want to hear this? The, I do. The drama I field do. story? I do. I feel so much empathy because I have a, an anaphylactic allergy myself and it's just terrifying. It was when she was four and I actually, um, I stuffed up, you know, I was really careful mum and this medical person that you know, did my best. And I, there was a mix up one day and I ended up giving her a muesli bar that actually contained peanut. The small version didn't and she'd had that and I got exactly the same one. The large one did. I guess they went, oh, if we make a small one, let's take the nuts out because kids will eat it. And then I assumed that the big one would be exactly the same with the same brand, same flavour, and it wasn't because I didn't read the label, did I? So um, you have to read the label every time. So she was four and she reacted and luckily we're only 10 minutes from a hospital. So we fronted up to emergency and we did all that. Um, So I just felt, I think it was because it's so scary when you have a reaction Um, especially when the kids are so little and it just stayed with me and I just felt so bad about it and I guess it bubbled away and it was five whole years later that this story just came out one day Um, and that's where it came from but I didn't realise, you know, that was what was going on until I'd finished the book, weirdly. Mm. I really like that and it's an awful story it is terrifying I mean I've had experiences myself and it's a dynamic thing so you don't know where it's going to go each time you have a reaction so it's very scary so and you know you can't you can't beat yourself up though I mean it it is an everyday thing that you deal with every day because you eat every day yeah it's very hard and in my house I'm totally safe and fine because I make sure I read every label that enters my house but the minute you step out there's that sense of being really aware of everything that you put in your mouth. And it's it's scary. Yeah, it changes your whole lifestyle, you know, where you eat out, if you eat out, where you holiday, everything. And so, you know, young kids have to learn about the allergy that they have and that to be careful and not to sneak the chocolate bar or whatever it is and, and to learn to check and, you know, just learn the new way of life mm. that, you know, is there reality? It's 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 all about avoiding, you know, yeah. the, the allergen. Yeah. Um, and so I hope that the book, um, the, the underlying message is to be careful with the with what you're eating and checking the labels um, and you know, trying to avoid a reaction basically. Mm-hmm. So I hope it helps. It is, yeah, and it's an important message, but it's also one that you don't want to define you, you know, you don't want to be only the allergy, you know. So yep. I know that when I go on holidays, when we could go on holidays. I just am really prepared and I just take snacks in my bag. So if I can't find a place where they know about allergies, I've got a bread roll in my bag and I'm good because I don't want it to define every experience I have. Yeah, yeah, my daughter's like that too. She'll happily just bring her own food or just 
not focus on the food. And, you know, I think I'll be sending her off to parties as a teenager and I'll be saying, you know, don't you eat any food, only the drugs and alcohol. (laughs) Don't you eat that biscuit. Um, (laughs) Take this bottle of vodka. It changes, you know, your whole experience of everything. Food's so social and it's such Mm -hmm. a big part of our lives. But, yeah, you have to work around it, but you have to not let the allergy um, ruin your life and have the anxiety around it be even worse than the actual allergy itself. So I think it's good to be able to talk about it and even to laugh about it and just accept this is our life and, um, you know, it's hard to write about serious topics and you can't, you know, be like, oh, be careful and don't do this. And, you know, that'd be so boring, wouldn't it? No one <laughs> yeah, would want to do that. So um, I, I hope that I've wrapped up this sort of secret message in a funny book in a way that makes it relatable. Um, yeah, so it's just funny that writing can, oh, it's such a powerful thing that our brains can be working behind the scenes and where our conscious mind doesn't even know. I think it's amazing. It is. It is amazing. And that's why picture books are so important because they can be fun and they then can have another message. And depending on what age your child is, you can read it at all those different levels. So I think that's really important. Yeah. And also don't feed your goldfish bread. <laughs> that's don't not feed your goldfish bread. <laughs> is that it? You can take it at face value. Now I need to ask you about the rhyme. Now the rhyme in Who Fed Zed is just epic now (laughs) lots of things rhyme with zed did you write an entire list of things that rhymed with zed and then put it together was that your process so first i just had an idea so for for listeners who haven't read it it's a mono rhyme so every single line in the whole story it's almost 400 words rhymes with zed very Um, impressive so thanks (laughs) Um, (laughs) um So originally I just had the idea that it would be about a bunch of kids whose named all rhymed. I thought that sounds silly and wacky. And so I had Ned and Fred and Ted and Jed and Zed. Um, And so I started it that way. And then the first, the opening line just came to me one after another. And then I realised, oh, I wonder if I'll be able to continue this through the whole book. Or maybe I'll have to snap out of the mono rhyme and go back to it and have it in and out. But um, I just tried and I did end up making a list, as you said, towards the end. Um, But it's funny the way this book came in. It just sort of fell into place really quickly for something that's so hard to write, so much harder than rhyming couplets. But it was so much quicker to write. It was just, I think it was that weird channeling thing where I was in the zone because of the previous experience with the emotional stuff and my brain was cooking away at it um, for me, mm. I think. So, I love yeah, that. So I, yeah, it's a weird thing, but it was a whole lot of fun to write and the, this wacky storyline, um, yeah. <laughs> and it's fun to read as well. Like I found it really fun to read to my children. And um, I think I think humour can be found in rhyme and I think that's where rhyme, that its strength is, as long as you don't commit any rhyme crimes. I think the strength yeah. is... Um, the humour that comes from it. Yeah, I think it the delivery that you have when you read it out loud um, really helps, you know, if the tone of the book matches, um, I, I, I agree it brings out the humour for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I love that process though of you just knowing this, uh, you know, this mono rhyme, which is incredibly difficult. And I, <laughs> I challenge listeners to try it out. I think it's very challenging. I was reading yeah. it and the first time I think, is she going to continue this the whole way through? This is really <laughs> impressive. 
than you did. <laughs> ah, yeah, thanks. I've written another couple since then and I really like it. I, I wonder if I'll keep doing it. But there aren't that, you can't pick a word, you know, like orange or something. No, it has to can't. be. A, <laughs> there aren't enormous amounts of words where you can actually do it. But um, it's a whole lot of fun. You know, when you have like a creative um, uh you you sort of channel to do something in a sort of like a narrowing but it mm. ends up uh, expanding the the way you think that's funny how that works in in yes. opposite yeah I really like that because when you do start being locked into a pattern you do then have to start thinking a bit more creatively to make it work yeah absolutely yeah. I love that yeah. idea mm. so I want to know about feedback how you take feedback when you give it to your publisher and you're going through, because with picture books, what I found is that every word is exposed. And so you can't have any wasted words or words that don't fit because every word is right there for everyone to see. There's no skipping over words in a picture book. Yeah. How do you, what's the process of feedback and, and how do you take feedback? What is your sort of style? Do you think, yep, yeah, cool, I'll take all the feedback on? Or does it take you a while to internalise it? I think um, earlier on, um, I remember when I wrote the book chook, which was my first book. Um, I was it was going to be the first time I ever got feedback, which was at a Squibby conference, the first writing event I went to. And I thought in my mind, this thing is as good as I have got it. It's a year and a half in the making. It's in a take it or leave it situation. I seriously thought this. And I had this. And I had this meeting, and it was Tara Wakem who was the vice president of. Harper Collins USA or something I got her for the for the assessment and she said all this stuff and I was like oh yeah she wants all these changes and yeah uh, I don't think I'm going to do that and then on the train home back to the Blue Mountains I was living at the time I thought oh look I'll just try to do what she said and then it ended up being the most incredible advice and so that really opened my mind and I thought, wow that really changed the whole book that one little bit of advice that she said and I took it and ran with it and it changed the whole book so okay, I'm going to start listening from now on. And so now I, I always um, i am really eager to hear what um, an editor says because they know what they're talking about. And so I think about it. And even if the, at first your brain goes, eh, don't like that, um, <laughs> you know, you just got to sit with it. And then after a while you can be like, yeah, I see what they're saying. So I think you get better at learning to take it on. And then I always feel that the book is better after any feedback because it just goes through a refining process and so I'm always grateful to to have it and and to get the book to a, a better level so yeah definitely a good thing I like that I like when you said you have to sit with it because it's very personal you know like you said you spent 18 months on this and you're like oh, this is me this is perfect I've put lots of time and effort into this and then someone comes and wants to change it so it is that <laughs> sitting with it and almost separating yourself from it and saying okay that's fine. Now we're going to talk about making the work the best it can be. It's not about me. It's about making this piece of work the best it can be. Yeah. And I think um, it, when you write in rhyme, it's it's even harder to, to make the changes because you know how hard you slaved over those rhymes and you tried to get them as, as good as they are. And you think, oh, my goodness, if I change that, I'm going to, that's, that's months and months worth of rewriting. But um, you get better at killing your darlings, as everyone says, and as you get more facility with rhyme, it's not such a big deal to you and you can be ruthless right from the start. I still pants everything, so you, you would think that's not an economical use of time because I really polish it as I go from the first line, but it's just how I do it. 
but I'm not afraid to cut and slash and go back and try a different route. I, I work hard to get there and I don't care how long it'll take. If I want the story to be there, I will work on it and as long as it needs, whether it's a few days like who fed Zed or it's years. So um, I think if you have that dedication and put that first, you can just edit and, and cut and slash as you need. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I like that. No, I sort of have a philosophy as too, is that you're not going to run out of words, right? So if you slash a stanza, it's okay. There are more words out there. I'm not going to run out. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. And I do this thing where I say, because I don't work in drafts. I just have like one big draft um, from beginning to end, but each day's work I save under the date. Mm -hmm. So I sort of feel like, if I wanted to go back, I could. And guess what? I never do. <laughs> <laughs> never look at draft one again. Yeah, that's my little safety net where I'm like, oh, I'm not throwing it away. I'm, I'm just uh, trying out this new way. And that helps me uh, let it go and move yep. forward. Yeah. Mm, I like that because the delete button can be scary sometimes. Be like, oh, no, that was the greatest thing I've ever written. <laughs> <laughs> Save it under today's date and then do something else with it. <laughs> now, why, why picture books? I mean, you write some fabulously hilarious picture books. Why picture books for you? Um, part of it is the rhyme. I really love to write in rhyme. If you love rhyme, then it means you're pretty much writing picture books. Um, but I just love that audio visual, um, that, the whole genre, you know, the format. It's, mm. it's an audio visual thing. And I love how the illustrations work together with a story. And um, I don't know, I just love how young kids really love story and just to see really little kids falling in love with books and pouring all over them and touching them and grabbing them and studying the illustrations and learning the words by heart or whatever I think it's just magical and so I'm really happy to be creating that kind of thing to put in the world mm. and they're special too because these books are the first books that are going into kids hands and they're also the books that parents read to them so they're special books picture books I think yeah, they're they're in a world, they're in a class of their own, aren't they? There's mm. nothing really else that's that's like a picture book um, for the, the bonding experience with the parent and the fun experience and the language development and the, the entertainment and you know, and there's all the learning. It's it's all wrapped up in one um, nice square parcel. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Beautiful square parcel with beautiful illustrations too. I love this. I love yeah. the colour. It's so beautiful. Yeah, I love Adam's style. He did a great job with it. And that's Adam Nickel. So that's yeah, it's such a beautiful cover. So I'll put that on social media because this is an audio, you know, format. But <laughs> we'll make sure we put it on social media so people can see this beautiful cover. Now, last question for you, Amelia. I ask this to all my guests that come onto the podcast. Why do you write? <sighs> I just, uh, it's just so much fun. I just, so enjoyable to me. And I've heard some writers say that they hate the process of writing, but I love it. It just feels amazing when the story is coming out and I'm just addicted to this, you know, bringing these stories into the world. It's just something I know that I'll do the rest of my life. It just feels so good, basically. I like that. And especially like we said before, writing for kids is pretty special too. Yeah, yeah, I'm writing for the people I really uh, respect and admire and I'm trying to give kids the, the best books and, and the fun books. So, um, yeah, it's, mm -hmm. I'm very lucky to be, to be having been published. I'm really um, happy that I'm doing this now because I didn't always do it. So you never know what's around the corner, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to be writing picture books for many, many years. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, that's great. And, uh, you know, I need another book to go with my bird is birdie, my bird birdie, because, <laughs> you know, a bit of a break from reading it every night. But no, it's a fabulous book. And, um, I just love the humour that you have in it. And also the way, um, you know, the words are structured. And that's why I can see, you know, shortlisted for the Speech Pathology Australia book, you can see that it's really helping kids learn about words and rhythm and metre and all those things. Yeah, I love rhythm. You know, it's like music, isn't it? You know, when you a good picture book, you can really just nod along with it, um, fall in love with the words and the lyricism, even non-rhyming books, um, poetry. I love all that. So, yeah, thanks for having me, Danny. It was really nice to be asked on. Thank you. No, it's lovely to speak to you. I, I've seen you, you know, with your beautiful books on social media. And like I said, I've read My Bird Birdie a million times. I thought I need to have you on to talk about this one. I feel like I know you. Yeah, and I feel like I know you too. It's like... <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Amelia. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you about writing and your beautiful books. And uh, Who Fed Zed, fabulous, beautiful, colourful, joyful book with an important message. So thank you so much. Thanks, Danny. Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. We'd love to engage with you on social media. You can find the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Danny B Books Words and Nerds podcast. You can also subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Stay safe and read more books.